Hello everyone, my name is Lily Chong and I'm taking over Mocha in the meantime. Hey everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Sarah. And we're sisters who just so happen to be best friends. We're here to unpack all of the unexpected moments that come with early adulthood and hope to uncover a more meaningful life, one conversation and cup of coffee at a time. This is Mocha's in the Meantime. Everybody and welcome back to Mocha's in the Meantime. This is Rachel and Sarah, and we are back at it with season two, episode three. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, we're really excited to be here continuing this season. It's kind of nuts to think that we already have the whole season planned out. Yeah, for and real. Like we're already like, wait, we have all these episodes we want to do, and we already ran out of space for this season. But there's just so many cool people to invite on and cool topics to talk about. So. We hope you'll stick with us as we continue on with this project. Yeah, we already have a few, you know, meetings coming up with other guests and there's just a lot of exciting things coming, but mm -hmm. we're also very excited to intro this episode, which is going to be really centered around identity because I think that word, we talk about it later, is just so, I guess, broad. There's so mm -hmm. many facets to what makes us who we are mm -hmm. and in this episode we're really going to kind of dive into that and kind of talk about what we've struggled with with identity what we love about our identity and we have invited on a really special guest my friend or our friend I guess you could say at this point Lily yeah Lily is a really fun person to chat with and goof around with I think um, mm -hmm. but this episode was really an opportunity for the three of us to just kind of pull apart what identity means to us and tell some stories that kind of exemplify how we've grown into our identities that we now embrace um, mm -hmm. as young adults. And so we really just wanted to keep this intro nice and quick because there's so much great content to be heard um, with Lily. So with that, I think we'll transition into the, the episode. Yeah, enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Mocha's in the Meantime. We're super, super excited for this week's episode because we are inviting on one of my very oldest best friends from childhood, Lily. Yay. We have known each other, I think, since first grade. Yes. Which is insane because now we're like 23 years old. So we've been wow. friends for over a decade for sure so mm -hmm. thanks so much for coming on the show and we're so excited to talk to you today do you want to just share a little bit about yourself so like rachel said um one of her oldest friends i've known her since childhood and my name is lily um i'm 23 living at home it's a pandemic what else can i say <laughs> i work at amazon um but yeah that's basically it really Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on again, Lily. And I think that it's been nice getting to know you as well over the years, mm -hmm. too. Since you and Rach have been friends for so long, we've kind of just naturally gotten to know each other, too. So that's also been really fun for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think before we jump into the topic for today, we wanted to start with a fun little icebreaker because there's a blizzard that's coming tonight here in Illinois. Snow advisory. <laughs> yeah. And so it kind of got us thinking about our childhoods and how we would just 
get really excited about snow days and such. So I wanted to start this off with talking about what's your favorite snow memory or snow day memory, either one, just anything <laughs> snow related. <laughs> I think my favorite snow memory is when you would you're you're sleeping and then you, you then the weather channel would be like, oh, we have a winter storm coming in and then the next morning you hear like a very early in the morning at like 5 a.m like your voice mail go off and that's when you knew that is when you knew that you were gonna have a snow day mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my fave memory that was a vibe that oh was so yeah i relate like being half asleep and hearing the voicemail and rejoicing <laughs> <laughs> well half asleep yeah yeah <laughs> what about you rach I think my favorite snow day memory specifically was that in high school one time um, like our district was known for never having snow days like they were very much made us go to school at any time Mm. and this one year the weather was so cold outside that we had like multiple cold days in a row and for our school that was so rare and I just remember hanging out with friends like every day and we were just waiting for the next one and it ended up being at least a few days and it was very exciting (laughs) that is exciting So some of my friends told me that if I put spoons under my pillow that we'd have a snow day. It was this tradition, I guess, that people had carried down. So I would always gather spoons from the kitchen and put them under my pillow, kind of like the tooth fairy, like putting your tooth under. It was like a spoon instead and hoping that we have a snow day. And I think it usually didn't work, but it was kind of a fun like sense of hope doing it. So I have positive (laughs) memories of that. Good times. Yeah, well, hopefully tonight is another snow-filled evening where we can feel like kids again. When yeah, we I hope so. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now to get more, I guess, into the meat of the episode, um, we're really hoping to just talk about some of the things that the three of us have had deep conversations about, and that's often related to just identity and who we are as people and how we've found ourselves over the years. And especially as young adults, I think there's a lot of soul searching and just identifying parts of yourself that maybe you're not always proud of, or maybe parts that you feel like are judged, or maybe parts that you're really proud of too, um, and how all of them come together to kind of make us who we are. Yeah, so when we're talking about identity, I know that word, even before recording, we had to Google, like, what is the actual definition of identity? Because I feel like it is such a broad term and there's so many facets of our life that can be characterized within this umbrella term. Um, So just the Oxford Dictionary defines it as the fact of being who or what a person or a thing is. Mm -hmm. And from that definition, we've kind of taken away some examples of identity um, that we hope to talk about. Um, So some of them might include you know, race, ethnicity, culture, our morals, religion, um, relationships, um, sexuality, you know, your identity as, you know, whatever your job is, or if you're a student, there's just so many different realms of it um, that we wanted to kind of dig into today. Mm -hmm. So I thought the first question would be interesting um, to kind of ask how you think people perceive your identity when they first see you. Um, because I think it's easy for people to look at someone and make a lot of assumptions about what their identity might be or um, who they are just from how they dress or what they look like. And so I wanted to ask what you guys think um, people notice first about you when they see you. 
So I think people, when they first see me, of course, like since I am a minority, they see that I'm Asian. And then the second thing is that is I am short because <laughs> I am five foot. So it's like very obvious that I am um, under the average height of a woman in the U.S. So <laughs> do you think that that comes with more assumptions? Yes. So since that I am Asian and then people who tend to be Asian look younger and me being short, like adds to it people do think that i'm probably around 18 even though i'm 23 mm -hmm. <laughs> especially at my work like since we were wearing masks like all you could see is my eyes so you can't really see my facial structure either so mm -hmm. then it just looks like that i'm like 18 rather than 23 most cases mm -hmm. so people do make assumptions about me or like if i'm in chinatown and i go to a chinese market people just naturally assume that i can speak chinese and i can't mm -hmm. So mm. I have to explain to them with the very little, little Chinese <laughs> that I do know that I do not speak like fluent Chinese. Mm. Yeah. So I guess depending on what um, other people's like backgrounds are, they might think differently. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I think like going off of your comments about height for me, especially growing up, I think I mean, this sounds kind of funny, but I think that people kind of always thought of me as being like plain and tall. <laughs> You're not plain to me, sir. Because that's a book. <laughs> that's why I say that. But I was always the tall kid. And mm -hmm. I think that there's nothing wrong with being tall, but when people just think of you as, oh, wow, you're so tall, adults and kids alike, it feels like they minimize you in a way to just being that. Um, mm -hmm. Or like people would just, like like you were saying about assumptions, would assume that I was a basketball player <laughs> or like a volleyball player or something, which mm. is kind of funny in hindsight. But at the time I'd get really annoyed because I was more into singing or I wasn't athletic really. So I felt like people weren't seeing me for myself at all. Um, just like my external features. And growing up, you always, people, I remember Sarah was like nine years old and a waiter asked if she wanted alcohol at like a wedding. <laughs> Or a bar mitzvah or something. Wait, I don't actually remember that. But what about you, Rach? I honestly, I had trouble with this one. I just don't know. I don't have an exact feature that I think people think of right away. Mm -hmm. um, maybe just being a woman. I think I am pretty mm -hmm. traditionally feminine in my presentation. So maybe that's the first thing people think of. I think I just am not super tall or short, so I can't relate to either side of that. Um, yeah. I think I have at times been pegged for younger than I am. When I worked, I remember at a movie theater, people thought I was in high school <laughs> when I was in college and stuff. Mm. So maybe my age and gender, but yeah, I didn't have a very concrete answer for this one. I think like that also reflects like, like you were saying, well, like, since you're a minority, people kind of jump to mm -hmm. that. I think as white people, like, that's a privilege we hold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when it comes to, like, I don't, when I see someone who is white walking down the street, I don't ask them, like, or assume anything about their, like, race, because I'm just, like, or, because, like, or, mm -hmm. sorry, not, not race, ethnicity, because it's just, like, it's hard to explain like when people see me as being just asian on the street they automatically think that either i'm they're like oh are you korean no are you japanese no or 
are you Vietnamese? No. They're like, well, what are you? It's just like, what are you? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Just as a funny note that like me being also being short, there was this one time I uh, walked into Joe's Crab Shack and then the sun was behind me. <laughs> so you just saw my silhouette and I was with my two friends and they're mu- so much more taller than I was. And they asked my two friends saying, oh, would you guys like a child's menu? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, I'm like 17. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. You should have the crayons. Yeah. <laughs> Are there certain aspects of your identity that you've struggled with in particular or ones that you feel the least comfortable sharing with others? I think the one I struggled the most with is being an adoptee mm-hmm. is something I struggled with because I have a... I don't know any information about my biological parents or like even basically about where I'm actually born. So like everything is a giant mystery to me. Like I don't even know my own health history. So that's something I've always struggled with because it's just like you don't know really fully who you are. Even though like I was a baby, like when I was adopted, like there's still like parts of your past that you still don't understand or know. And that's a very hard thing to live with sometimes. Not every adoptee though is is the same. Like I have friends that who are also adopted, but they don't like they they do they they are perfectly fine just like not knowing anything about their past. So it doesn't bother them as much. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just something I've always wanted to know the answer to, but I just haven't mm-hmm. I got a chance to. And then um, I guess like also just being raised in a transracial household is very different because like I was raised very um, white, <laughs> I guess. So um, to people who, who are from the Asian communities, I wasn't Asian enough because mm-hmm. I have these um, American westernized tendencies. And then when it comes to people who are in white communities, since they look at me, I am not white. So, like, I didn't fit into either group. So I had this, like, issue of trying to find out where I fit in. Mm. Do you think also because your dad um, is, I believe, half Chinese? Yeah. Um, do you think that also played a role of feeling like you were sort of in one world and also in another with your mom being Italian, right? Italian or- and Irish. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did that play a role too, do you think, or mostly being adopted? mostly just being adopted because my dad doesn't really um have any of his chinese customs or culture mm-hmm. really that much he was he's very uh he he took after more of his the white part of his culture than it is than the asian part of his culture so he it basically grew up in a white household in a way he grew up in england mm-hmm. so he but he didn't he didn't know any cantonese he didn't know any anything about really that much about chinese customs either Mm-hmm. growing up so because he was raised in england which is also a very white <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> country <sure. laughs> i think the reason it could be also the reason why he didn't I, I could be completely wrong i'm just speculating but he could also not have wanted to know a lot of his asian customs because he did experience a lot of racism growing up mm-hmm. like even his own teachers would would say things about mm-hmm. him being mixed race really so i yeah so i think that's it could be a, a reason why or he just wasn't interested in learning it because it's personally and since i grew up in a westernized household like i wasn't very interested in learning chinese when i was a kid 
Yeah. Until it wasn't not the norm for you. Yeah, it wasn't the norm. So then it, it wasn't until I got to high school is when I really was like, oh my God, I should have took Chinese classes. So I could actually start, I didn't appreciate my mm-hmm. Chinese culture until mm-hmm. um, I was a lot older. Also, if you don't mind sharing, like, I think it'd be interesting to hear more about your journey of trying to find your birth parents, like your biological parents, because that's something you've been embarking on recently in life, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I basically took my DNA and I sent it into Ancestry. Ancestry, I do not recommend for people who are um, not white because the database, (laughs) the database, the database is mostly European blood or not your blood, but DNA's uh, Mm -hmm. samples in there. So they it took them six months to tell me that I'm 100% Chinese, (laughs) Um, which is something I already knew. But it's Besides, that's a sidetrack. But the point is, um, I took the DNA to find any anybody else, if there is anybody else in the country that has the same DNA as I do. So then I could see if they are related to me in a, I would say like even a close like second cousin kind of way, because mm-hmm. then it could trace back to who might be my birth parents. But unfortunately, right now I haven't had any luck with that because I also submitted my DNA to 23andMe, but I haven't had any. Um, luck with it yet yeah hopefully over time maybe more people will submit their dna if they're not in the system yet or something i have a i have a choice that i could submit my dna to um through like a chinese organization but i'm reluctant to do that because i i just don't know i don't really trust it that much and i don't know how much they're actually going to be telling the truth because i've watched documentaries about the um other adoptees trying to find their parents and sometimes and it turns out that the orphanages have lied to their adopt the adoptive parents about where they found their adopt uh adopted ch- a child oh hmm. so i don't really trust what yeah possibly could happen if i submitted it to an organization yeah that makes a lot of sense it'd be like a lot of effort and like building up hopes and not necessarily knowing the truth or like whether what you're hearing is the truth Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. wow that's so interesting to hear about it sounds like do you feel like this is a big part or like a piece of your identity that you're trying to kind of yeah it's like i say it's like a puzzle piece it's like that one like piece that like you lost but you it's like annoying you that you can't finish the picture of it Mm. so that's how i describe it as is because it's like I don't know. I just want to know, like, the reason why mm-hmm. and to have a full understanding of why I was, like, abandoned or left because it's, like, then it makes me – I feel like it will make me have a better understanding and more empathy because they could be – could have been struggling. They could have been – Yeah. You just never know. And it's just, like, that – it really does take a toll on, like, your 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 kind of your self-worth, too, because I don't think a lot of people know that – in China that like boys are thought more highly of than girls so especially mm-hmm. during the early 90s and the late 90s so during those time period which is when a lot of adoptees or uh, mm-hmm. children were abandoned and stuff like that but to, it's basically just to answer your question yes it's important to, to find my biological parents because mm-hmm. I think it's a big part of um, my history and my past and just to have a full understanding of basically who I am 
even me and Sarah lately have been way more interested in tracing people that I feel like I didn't think about it in the past until very recently. I was like, wait, there's been so many people before us that <laughs> I want to know like what they did for a living or how they acted or what they look like. It, another reason why I think it's important for me at least to know who my parents are is because I get to find out then like what certain personality traits I got from them, what kind of physical features mm. I got from them. Like it's, then then it's just like, then I have, I just understand them like, oh, that's why I'm like this is because, mm. or that's why I am interested in more of these things than this one because someone in my family by DNA was like the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of like nature versus nurture because even though a lot of things are environmental, there are some genetic things that just come out from purely like how you were, your, like what your DNA makeup. is. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes they kind of play a role together, but I feel like that would be interesting for sure mm-hmm. to kind of differentiate. Yeah. I like your analogy of the puzzle piece. Like, it's kind of this missing piece of the puzzle that would help you have a more, yeah, like a more well-rounded understanding of yourself. And, like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So thanks for sharing. Yeah. I kind of talked about this in our most recent blog post, but I think because my whole life I've identified as a student, I've struggled a bit with that role because being a student was how I kind of measured my like how I was doing in life often like if I was doing well in school or if I was spending all my time studying like then that meant that I was a good person or like worthy um and I think especially now that I'm coming out of my grad program and I'm going to be done with school probably forever I mean at least for Mm -hmm. the time being it's something I'm struggling with to kind of think about well what is my identity as a person, not just, I'm not just a student. Like I'm going to be working somewhere. I'm going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have that automatic scale in front of me of like, I'm getting good grades. So I'm a good person or I'm getting Mm -hmm. bad grades. I'm a bad person. Um, It's something I've noticed very recently about myself, but I don't know if you guys can relate since you were both students, but. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) I think (laughs) I'm in a similar boat because I graduated in May. So I feel like it's just so common nature for when people ask me about myself. I'm like, oh, I go to this school or even before college. Oh, I'm in high school or whatever grade you're in. And I feel like it sets you up in our society to always have that identity. And then suddenly they're like, all right, here's the real world. You're not a student anymore. And like, I feel like it's very, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very natural. I think to be, I kind of miss that feeling of being a student because again your worth is more I I tied some of my worth to being like good at school or getting good grades it's Um, like safe yeah and I think now that I don't have that again like you were saying that actual measure it's harder to know if my work is good or not Mm. (laughs) or if I'm good enough so I I'm definitely in the very similar boat as you of being like whoa I'm not a student like who am I yeah (laughs) I agree with that because it's it's just like as if you're like you're kind of just like well am I going at the normal pace that an adult should be going at or should I be like having a good job right now or should I like where should I like where's the line of like where am I supposed to be at yeah (laughs) yeah like there's no milestones in the same way as school where like 
you have semesters and you have class schedules and such that kind of guide you to give you an idea of like whether you're on the right track or not and then it's just like up to you (laughs) yeah and I think that's the point is that everyone does go at their own pace after school um so there really is nothing to fully measure up against because some people jump into like professionalism other people take gap programs or go abroad or do other things some people go back to school so some people don't want to go to school and they don't yeah some people are getting married right now (laughs) whoa (laughs) so it's hard to kind of yeah gauge like what is my identity now that there's not this exact thing I have to be or do Mm -hmm. um and I think going off of that I'm currently working as a um copywriter and I think I've always sort of loved writing and um, it's something that I've always been passionate about doing. And now that my job is actually in the title copywriter, I think I've been kind of struggling to feel confident in that identity of being a writer. Like that's not only something I care about, but now it's like my work too. So Mm. I think just having imposter syndrome about accepting the fact that a part of my identity is a writer and that it's okay to say that like I think I always thought oh I'm not good enough so I can't be a writer Mm. um, or I can't define myself as that even though I think Mm. it is something that is a big part of my life right now so and feeling yeah more confident with that label it's interesting because I feel like we covered so many different like in this conversation so far we've covered a lot of different facets <laughs> of like who we are like we've talked about race and ethnicity and we've talked about like your biological history like your genetic mm-hmm. makeup and your family structure and then like some of these other ones are more like your roles mm-hmm. um I think yeah. that's very powerful to see yeah that you can there's like innate identities and then there's ones that you find along the way like Mm -hmm. through your passions or religion or whatever it is Mm -hmm. identity is definitely then not like black and white like Mm -hmm. like the definition made it seem (laughs) um i think another identity i've struggled with over my life has been um being jewish um Mm -hmm. i was born and raised jewish i guess you could say like i'm both was raised in a Jewish household but I also am like ethnically Jewish as well um and I think that sometimes it made me feel a bit different from other kids because literally nobody at my elementary school was Jewish that I knew of Mm. um like zero people Mm -hmm. and I think that was hard for me to kind of feel like I fully can relate to other people when they talked about certain holidays and stuff and they didn't really understand things I did in my household so I think that was something I sort of struggled with more so as a kid kid and then Mm. I think later on in life I met more people that were Jewish which is good yeah Um, and I think also on the other side being Jewish but not feeling like I was Jewish enough to be super involved in temple activities or feel like I could join Like in college, there's a Hillel, which is for Jewish people to kind of meet each other. And I was always intimidated to join it because I felt like I'm not religious enough or I wasn't involved enough in my childhood to join something and really 
explore that identity yeah so I think it kind of went both ways um Mm -hmm. not feeling Jewish enough but then also feeling different from like most of the Christian-based religions at school it's okay Rachel I feel I I feel that in a different sense because I was raised in a very Catholic home but we weren't Mm. didn't really practice it yeah even though I was raised well I was then technically I wasn't raised in a very Catholic home I was raised Catholic but Mm -hmm. I didn't we didn't practice it enough so when I did have to go through like the whole like Catholic like I don't even know milestones Uh (laughs) I guess you could say Um, I don't even know how to explain it but um and I had to go to all these like Catholic uh classes and stuff I didn't relate to any of it because I was just like Mm -hmm. I don't practice it at home like Mm, yeah I get you it's hard because it's like it it doesn't matter what level you are if you feel like that's something that's a part of you you should it's fine and if anyone else had that situation I had I'd be like just do it like who cares if you weren't super religious but I think I always was like "Eh, I'm not Jewish enough for this Mm -hmm. but I think I'm coming to terms with it more especially after we did an episode with the cantor from our temple Like, she really inspired me to kind of explore Judaism again and to kind of think about it differently in the adulthood, so. Yeah, and I echo all that. I think I had similar experiences, too. Um, Just being asked questions often or feeling put on the spot because I was, like, the Jewish kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't something I resented that much. It was just, looking back, I sometimes felt a little uncomfortable, I think, with it. I I think, though, I think that comes down to, though, um a lack of exposure to different types of identities though yeah so, sure. but that comes that and that comes down to like just the household itself then that they like they need to like then ex- expose their children or people in society in general needs to expose their children to different types of identities so then they can have more <laughs> of uh empathy or sympathy for people who are different than them mm-hmm. yeah and i think some people I've even read stuff about it. If like a kid, their kid points out a difference in someone, a lot of people like parents are like, oh, like, don't point that out. Like, like, yeah, don't be curious. But I think I've read that it's all almost better to say like, yeah, that person does look different from you. And that's totally normal. And like, mm-hmm. it's OK to acknowledge it. But um, like, it's OK to acknowledge it and accept it and just normalize it because mm-hmm. it shouldn't be this thing that you have to hide away from it should just be normal to kids so i think parents should probably <laughs> do a better job at just normalizing people that act or look or speak differently than yeah or not even maybe just parents maybe it's just like us as people. everyone yeah yeah for sure yeah those are really good points so now to kind of switch gears to the opposite or not really opposite but just a a different piece of our identity um lily i want to hear from you what do you think your fate or like the most important part of your identity is to you i have multiple identities so let's hear them (laughs) um name them all that are important (laughs) i am part of the i am part of the lgbt community so Mm -hmm. that is part of my identity um i am a minority that is part of my identity, and I am I identify as a woman. So, I got three things that society makes a challenge for. 
triple threat. So, <laughs> a triple threat. Uh-huh. So um, those are the three. Those are I say those are the three that are the most important to me because when you identify with whatever identity that you have, you they're always going to come with challenges, and then you need to learn how to love and accept and embrace those identities. So then you can move forward and make you make yourself feel more powerful as an individual and challenge whatever obstacles are coming at you because if you don't love yourself then like you're not gonna fight for yourself and you're not gonna fight for other people who need it mm-hmm. so i it's, i think that you then like with my ident- those three main identities i have to wear it with pride mm-hmm. do you yeah. feel like that was a process for you to get to that point Oh, uh, yes, (laughs) especially like just accepting that it's actually not is not actually not the um, me being gay. That's the issue. It's more of like me being a minority. Mm -hmm. It was a big challenge for me because growing up, I actually always didn't like being Chinese. I didn't like because if you see in like magazines, beauty is perceived as someone who is white. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to be white so badly and I didn't like how I looked and I didn't like being different in that sense because I wasn't deemed, I felt like I wasn't deemed to to the beauty standards of American society Mm -hmm. or maybe even just society in general. I don't know what the beauty standards are in other countries, but um, I would say westernized. Yeah, um, for sure. Beauty, I wasn't deemed pretty enough. So that's the thing I struggled with the most and I had a hard time accepting Sometimes I, I'm not going to lie, sometimes I still have problems of accepting it because mm-hmm. it's just shoved in your face all the time that the you, the way you look is not, is, is, is the way you look is not considered good enough or not pretty enough. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's like really important to shed light on the things that you love about yourself that you might not have always loved about yourself because I feel Mm -hmm. like that shows a lot of growth and like authenticity um I think for me personally this is kind of a an abstract piece of an identity but I think for most of my life I've been very like empathetic and like kind of a people person like I wanted to have really deep connections with other people I was very sensitive and like felt emotions very strongly yeah. And I think for most of my life, I kind of despised that, the emotional piece, I would say, about myself because I felt like it was too much or this and that. Um, and I think nowadays, like you were saying, Lily, but just in this realm, I've been more so able to be like, wow, I have really beautiful feelings. Like I can write a song and like I can express emotions in a, a way that produces something that's relatable to other people maybe or like cathartic for me and so Mm -hmm. in a way I think part of a strong part of my identity is like I identify as being like sensitive and in touch with my emotions um and I I know that it's kind of abstract but I feel it very strongly there's also a term (laughs) that I know you kind of explored it's called being a highly sensitive person oh yeah and I feel like that kind of (laughs) HSP it's like an actual psychological like theory or something yeah so I feel like that's a good way of like pinpointing what you're trying to say is being that type of person Mm -hmm. I think one part of my identity that I've always um felt like importance to is 
kind of what my identity is within relationships with other people because I think my one of my biggest values in life is relationships like friendships and family and just like being a good person to other humans (laughs) so I think like my identities as a friend a daughter a sister have been really important to me in my life and I think I'm always working on how I can be better at that role in people's lives Mm -hmm. um And I think kind of on the contrary to that, (laughs) sometimes I think I, I sometimes care so much about what other people think of me or am trying so hard to be a good person to other people um, that it can be harder to prioritize yourself. So I think that's a part of my identity, even though it's very important to me, I'm trying to also find what is my identity outside of other people as well without worrying Mm -hmm. about what other people think of me so that's kind of the other side of it that I'm I think working on (laughs) would you say then like because I know you guys did, did yeah you guys did a podcast about um personalities then do you think that that that's definitely part of then identity I think it could I think if yeah I think if you really resonate with a personality quiz and like a result like I feel like I I have that experience with Enneagram where it's like knowing that I'm number two which is like the helper like I I feel like yeah I I find that that runs the more I read about it it runs very deeply your personality is part of your identity but I never thought that deeply about it I guess yeah this podcast is making me think about all these different things. <laughs> well, I feel like in a way it kind of reflects how everybody has very different pieces of their identity that are at the forefront. Yeah. Like, and so what you identified, like being queer and being a minority and being like identifying as a woman, like it sounds like that was what to you feels the most important, the most strong. And that's like just as valid as like anybody else. And what like yeah. with mine, I think, I've just always thought of myself as like an emotional person. Like that was always at the forefront. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's why that came to mind. Yeah. But it would just, it would be different for everyone. Like some people might really identify as their professional career. Like I'm a teacher. That's what I do. Like that's my, that's my identity. Or if you are very religious or very involved in a hobby or something. What Uh kind of like identities though, that do you guys think that like society looks down upon? Hmm. Well, or like, does a lot of people just don't agree with or like kind of like has a very negative connotation? Because when you said emotional, I feel like people are like, oh, like it's too too much. Like when people think that you're emotional, they think it's too much. But when really is like you really can like relate to people and what they think or like say or like you can empathize with them really well. That's what I think about when I'm like emotional or I just very or like. I just feel things a lot easier, I guess, than most people. Mm-hmm. That's what I think about emotional. But like with other people, people think emotional is like you cry all the time or you're like overreacting or you know what I mean? That made me think of um, like I definitely identify as a more anxious person in general. And I think I've always been like angry at myself in the past if I've gotten anxious about something that I think 
rationally I knew was silly or something Mm -hmm. or like not something I should be worried about. Um, And I think I've been trying to reframe that part of my identity and think like, well, because I'm anxious, it means that I really care about this or I really, you know, am a deep thinker and Mm. it's okay as long as I'm trying to cope to be less, you know, uncomfortable with it but it's it shows that I care about things and that I think things through um so I guess that's something that is looked down upon is it any sort of like mental health issues in society Mm. when really that it's the most common thing ever mental health and everyone has it it. yeah everyone has some type some type of even if it's not a disorder like everyone has had ups and downs with how they feel (laughs) And then should not be demonized as something that's bad. I think anything that doesn't fit into like the societal mold of like a successful person, at least in America, can be deemed as like a not ideal identity. Like even mm-hmm. just level of social. I was about to say ability like an as introvert well. versus an extrovert. Like some people are really not. Yeah, like if people are more introverted or people aren't big talkers, like some people are just quieter. I think that's sometimes seen as like you're different or you're not like I don't know I I think there's just a certain type of person that's often been like prized as the right kind of person and if you don't fit in that role your identity as that like if you identified as quiet let's say or introverted it might not be as prized or like respected do you think it's just because it's it's deemed as not great being quiet or shy is because people don't understand those people then just don't understand what it's like because they are not that themselves so it might cut everything it might just come down to exposure and empathy then mm-hmm. which is what yeah. everyone lacks yeah. or people can work on i guess you could say mm-hmm. um because yeah, i'm not sure. i'm not gonna i'm gonna be honest i have a hard time understanding how people can be quiet because i'm not a quiet person but mm-hmm. I have is not saying that they're. I don't think people are bad because they're quiet. It just makes me nervous when people are quiet. Because oh, if you're like, do they like me or not? Type. Of yes. Feeling. So my mm-hmm. so my issue is that I'm an anxious person because I identify because I I just I have anxiety. I I'm, I identify as being anxious. So I don't think I think there's just a lot of layers and factors that go into just like when you identify with something it the reasons why someone might think it's bad or good mm-hmm. you know because it's their perspective and what they probably think is different i guess that's basically what i'm saying your identity can influence how you appraise other people's identity <laughs> yes that's inception wow. that's, con- oh, no. <laughs> that's a short concise way of saying it for me rachel <laughs> I think also just to tie it back to our podcast being about young adulthood, like, I guess we kind of already answered this question in a sense, but like, why do you think, I'll pose it to both of you, like, why do you think identity is so important to discuss right now in this part of life and like reflect upon as young adults? Oh, it's because like, I think it's because then it shapes you who you are is when you become like like old because then you could because then you you find yourself like if you don't take this time to explore your interests or experimenting of what you uh, how you look if you don't experiment it how would you know like what you actually like or what you don't like like if you you won't if you don't if you don't take risks in life you will never know what you actually identify with and what your true authentic self is i think another cool thing about this time is you're 
trying to figure out how you want to live the rest of your life because there's so much time ahead of us. I mean, it goes by quickly, but like we still have a lot of our life ahead of us. And so I think knowing what parts of your identity are most important to you, like voicing them, I guess, you're able to then really organize your life in a way that honors those pieces of your identity. And I think now is just the perfect time to do that. I feel like I do my best work when I'm authentically myself. So like mm. if I'm able to live my life in a way that fosters my authentic self to come out, then like I'll be happiest most likely or I'll mm. maybe be most able to reach goals. And so I feel like authenticity really ties into like the topic of identity because of that. Mm-hmm. I agree with I agree with you said Sarah because like growing up in a very you guys know my like my um household environment like i can't you i cannot be my authentic self so not being able my be to be who i am and like to be true to who i to be true to who i am it's it's hard to see life as a given opportunity sometimes and like with a lot of possibilities because this feels like i can't do the things that i want Mm-hmm. And I can't sit up, I can't achieve the goals that I want because I'm in an environment that doesn't allow me to d- grow mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. So I understand what you're saying. That's why, that's all I got to say. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. That illustrates like, I think the strength of like what our identities are to us. Like you have yeah. to be able to be that or else you're going to be stifled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think to add on that I think it's important to reflect in young adulthood because I think if you are finding the identities that really define your life then you're also able to connect with new people that have similar identities or even different ones Mm -hmm. that's a really great way to connect with new people or find like-minded people with similar values or um, especially I think for people who maybe had pieces of their identity that weren't as common in their childhood like even just our example like not knowing that many Jewish people but then like in young adulthood you have more opportunities to seek it out yourself because you just have more options when you're an adult versus when you were a kid you kind of had to just go with and be with the people that you live near and stuff Mm -hmm. basically I being true to who you are and be taking pride in your identity makes you grow more as a person. Words of wisdom with Lily, be proud of who you are and, and what you identify with because then you will grow, continuously grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I I saw this, <laughs> this was on a Dove rapper actually. <laughs> it said, oh your God. vibe attracts your tribe. So like oh. putting out the vibe you want, yeah, like you'll find your, your tribe. authentic self. Yeah. yeah, you'll get people who are just naturally into that. I wanted to ask all of you as kind of a closing question. Um, do you guys have any advice for people who are struggling to accept parts of the, of their identity? Um, because I think we've been saying a lot of like, oh, just accept it. And like, I know that's so much easier said than done. But do you guys have any advice for people who are in that stage? It depends on what identity it is, though. So like if it's saying like trying to accept what you look like, maybe just like write down a couple couple of like uh affirmations for yourself about what you what your favorite part of yourself is yeah Yeah, so write down things that you're most proud of about yourself on a piece of paper then just keep doing that until you start believing it in yourself Mm -hmm. for me 
I did. I think you guys remember I had a positivity Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I had that, and that helped me try to reframe my thinking of being like, I am good enough. I, mm-hmm. what I look like should not matter to uh, it, it doesn't I don't care about what other people think I'm having a good time making these videos I'm 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 good enough so that kind of really helped me redefine about mm-hmm. if I if I since I struggled a lot with what I looked like yeah mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that idea any affirmation is good I would say also um like I think getting involved in kind of like what I was saying earlier is getting involved in the community <laughs> with other people with a shared identity or like shared passion whatever it is I think is helpful to um accept those parts of you you know sharing experiences and struggles you've had over the same identity can help you feel less alone in how you felt in certain situations so I think talking about it is always great (laughs) going off of what Rachel said when it comes to like my queerness of like I didn't grow up around people who were other people who are queer. So I didn't know the thing existed. The thing that helped me is social media is finding that Mm. you're not as different as you think you are. You are not alone watching. Oh, something that really helped me build up my confidence within myself. RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag queens are the best people alive. They have so much confidence and they, because they embrace and they accept themselves dressing as a man and a woman so watch rupaul if you want if you want an ego (laughs) boost and you want them to like preach to you about confidence just watch rupaul's drag race (laughs) i still haven't watched it it. but i know how much you love it and you showed me different clips and they were just so like empowering there is they do not body shame really as much at least it shows on the show they don't body shame each other they embrace each other saying like i'm a thick girl i'm a i'm a skinny girl i'm a comedy mm. queen i'm a i'm an artsy queen i'm a pageant queen like they just accept it now mm. yes there is like some conflict between its own community itself but overall coming together as a unified community they will stand by each other no matter what Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like about also just like the, the the queer community in general is like we will stand each by each other no matter mm-hmm. what. And you are not as different as you seem if you do identify as that. So you are not alone. That's all I got to say yeah. to that. Whoever's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I like how you mentioned social media because I think um, especially for younger kids that maybe again, like I was saying, don't have as much of a say in who they surround themselves with. Um, and maybe don't have the like resources to get out in the community or maybe they aren't ready yet to be more um, showcasing pieces of their identity. Mm-hmm. I think social media is a good place to see other people and maybe connect in a less anxiety inducing way until you're ready to get out in the world with those identities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like exposure to something else yeah yeah and say you do have friends that do support you in that sense of being queer going to your going to a pride parade i went with my friend and like it was raining and no one cared we were all just like having a blast like cheering everyone and 
random right. strangers will hug you on the street they'll yeah. be like you are loved there's parts of the i remember um you see parents so you you'll see that and then you'll know that there are people out there that are supportive of mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. so yeah so get out there get out there get out in the world yeah. don't be afraid be be very proud of who you are mm-hmm. no matter what your identity is yeah well we want to thank you for coming on lily this has been something that we've been looking forward to for a long time and thank you for having me that was so fun (laughs) because i feel like we've talked about this off camera a lot or off audio whatever (laughs) off the air (laughs) so it was nice to like synthesize it all for Mm -hmm. other people to hear Mm -hmm. yeah do you have anything else you want to offer before you go yes you are loved (laughs) You should be very proud of who you are, no matter what you identify with, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's if you identify problem. as being a sociopath and you murder people, that's not okay. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. As long as you're not hurting yourself or others, like you do you, Just be boo. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> This was a really, really fun episode, I think, to talk about. What do you yeah. think, Rach? I feel like I only reached the surface of only a few identities. Like, there's so much more that I could have talked about that I want to explore off of the podcast after this. I think that this episode showed how deep thinking can be very exhausting. Because I remember that mm-hmm. night, I felt very... I mean, it was a pleasant kind of fatigue, but feeling very tired and just kind of done thinking for the night <laughs> yeah for sure because it really so there's much. layers to it yeah. yeah yeah once you start unraveling like self-reflection it really never ends so mm-hmm. in a good way but like there's so much to always explore about yourself so yeah yeah I'm feeling inspired by what you guys had to say in this episode yeah and I feel like I got to kind of uncover a side of Lily that I haven't been as exposed to as you just because you guys have spent a lot more time together. Yeah, um, for sure. Which was really nice to to be a part of. So in the meantime, we want to encourage everybody to reflect on a piece of your identity that you're most proud of. Maybe take out a pen and paper and do some journaling or just think about it in your head. Maybe talk it over with a friend or close person in your life. Um, As you probably could tell in this episode, this was really a eye-opening experience for all of us so um, we just wanted to kind of put that forward yeah and if you want we have a blog that was recently launched we'd love if you checked it out Sarah just did a post about like kind of airing on this topic about identity and finding identity um, Mm -hmm. separate from work and being a student so definitely check that out if you liked this topic definitely similar themes yeah yeah and always we're and as always we're on instagram at mochas in the meantime podcast facebook mochas in the meantime and on our website you could also send us an email so lots of ways to stay connected (laughs) our website is mochas in the meantime.com yes not mochas in the meantime podcast.com yeah we thought that would be a little too long (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, so but yeah we hope you enjoyed and yeah Well, peace. Peace.